Hi, this is Wilson, pastor of Renew Church OC, a church for imperfect people only. Thanks for joining our podcast. Over the pandemic, a lot of our lives have been reoriented. Whether it's our work, school, friendships, or church, we've become comfortable with a new normal because of COVID. Many of us are asking what church is and how important is it really? Can I be a strong Christian without the church? Or can I go to church in PJs and off a screen for the rest of my life? I hope this series helps you move away from cultural norms and beliefs about church and brings us back into God's word and heart for the local church. Enjoy the sermon. All right, good morning, everyone. Uh, If we could turn our attention up here, please. So excited. There's so much to talk about, isn't there? I even shared that last Sunday. It's so good to be able to see one another face-to-face, to to talk with one another, and uh, please continue to do that. Even after the service, you know, I I don't know if you guys are going out to lunch uh, together and hanging out, but it's so good to be able to do this. I had such a great time with you guys last Sunday. Uh, It was great uh, not only to be in the service, but also the picnic, and it was good talking with some of you and just even finding out that uh, we had never seen each other in person. Uh, you just saw me on TV. That's about it, right? I was a TV type of guy. And then uh, getting to see you face to face and uh, just spending some time uh, finding out little things about you uh, was really good. And so I don't mind actually being vulnerable to you, sharing things about myself. It actually helps for you to remember you know, who I am and uh, you know, just different people here at Renew Church. And so I want to share with you uh, from the very beginning, I I shared a lot last week. Actually, to be honest with you, I shared a little bit about my daughter, and I didn't think it would get back to her, but tons of texts went to her uh, talking about how I was talking about her. So I'm not allowed to talk about her anymore because of you. So thank you very much. Appreciate it. well, I'm not joking. That, that's actually, I'm not allowed to talk about her anymore. But, but I, I don't mind because many of you, I, I'm so glad that you have connections with Alexis too and that you're texting her and doing those things. Uh, but I want to share with you, uh, I'll continue not sharing about her but myself. Uh, I am a big nerd, uh, meaning I love nerdy stuff. I love comic books. I love superhero, the superhero genre. I love medieval fantasy. I love space sci-fi. As a matter of fact, if you can't tell, I'm wearing a shirt right now. Those of you that are nerdy like me, you know exactly what I'm wearing. But uh, my favorite series is Star Wars. It's Star Wars. How many of you, same way, raise your hand? Okay, if you're not embarrassed, that's, that's good. You, could, you can clap, that's great. Uh, you know, do whatever. But uh, my favorite series is Star Wars. Uh, and the reason why is, uh, as a boy, I remember going to the theater with my parents to see Star Wars A New Hope back in 1977. And as a kid, how many of you, you saw Star Wars in the movie theaters? Okay. Oh, really? What? That, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, later. Yeah, okay, that, that makes sense. But I saw it when it first ever came out in 1977, and that movie was magical. It actually pretty much changed my imagination in my life about how I saw things. So that movie was the greatest movie I'd ever seen. I still remember watching it, thinking, how can I get a droid like R2-D2 to be my best friend, right? That's the kind of stuff that I was thinking. But, you know, as a man, as an adult, uh, my favorite one is Episode 3, The Revenge of the Sith. I don't know if 
Any of you have seen that one? I'm sure you have your own favorite ones. My favorite is a man, okay, grown up, is uh, episode three, Revenge of the Sith. And it's because it answers so many of my childhood questions in watching the Star Wars theory, uh, series. Um, It it answered so many of those questions like, whatever happened to the Jedi Order? Or why did Obi-Wan live in Tatooine? Or how did those twins, Luke and Leia, who were brother-sister, come to live in such different places? Or why did Yoda exile himself to the Dagobah system? Okay? Or who was the emperor? Where did he come from? Or how did the Republic become an empire? And probably my biggest question that was answered for me in Revenge of the Sith was, how did Darth Vader come to be? And that was the most interesting thing for me. How did Anakin Skywalker become Darth Vader? Forgive me, I'm, I'm getting some blank looks. If you don't, have never seen Star Wars in your life, I'm sorry about this illustration. But many of you that have watched Star Wars, you understand uh, that it's all about Anakin Skywalker becoming Darth Vader. The focus of this movie is all about the character Anakin Skywalker because he was supposed to be the chosen one, the perfect Jedi who would usher peace and enlightenment to the Republic. Instead, Anakin Skywalker becomes Darth Vader, the evil Sith Lord who brings tyranny and devastation. And so the question that needs to be begged is, how does this happen? If you've seen that particular movie, you remember the scene where Anakin, who's a Jedi, explains to Chancellor Palpatine, who is secretly a Sith, Anakin doesn't know that, the fundamental difference between the Jedi Order, the heroes, and the Sith Lords, the bad guys. And this is what he says. The Sith rely on their passion for power. They think inwardly only about themselves. The Jedi are outward focused, they are selfless, and they care only about others. So the Jedi mindset is outward. That's what Anakin Skywalker says, while the Sith mindset is inward. The Jedi's life is lived for others, while the Sith's life is lived for himself or herself. And it's very interesting when you realize that it's Anakin who is speaking out this truth. He knows very well what it is about the Sith and what it is about the Jedi, but he changes, doesn't he? Now, here's the question. How does a talented, capable, blessed Jedi Knight turn into a Sith monster? And the answer is an inward mindset, an attitude that is focused inwardly. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul is writing to the Christians in the city of Corinth. And he tells them that they have everything that they need to be a championship church. Remember last week we talked about that? An excellent church. They've been given divine grace and peace. They've been enriched with all speech and all knowledge to be able to share the good news of Jesus. They've been granted unique spiritual gifts to minister to one another in service. So that positionally they are sanctified ministers... They're holy and they're a royal priesthood. We talked about this. They have everything they need to be an excellent church. Yet, the Corinthian church wasn't existing as an excellent church. They were faltering in their testimony. They were failing in their effectiveness to live out the blessings that they were given in Jesus Christ. 
Now, why? Why did this happen? Because of an inward mindset. Because of a selfish mindset that fed on selfish impulses. And that's a a warning to Renew Church. The Jedi faithful can become Sith failures. Thank you for letting me continue to use this, this. Okay, the Jedi faithful can become Sith failures. There's an enemy to the spiritual blessings that we possess as a church. It's the inward mindset that causes quarrels and division and dissension, even devastating a church. So my prayer this morning as we get out of this post, uh, as we get out of COVID and go into this post-pandemic uh, um, uh, part of our lives where we're trying to gather and we're, and we're meeting one another and we're, again, strengthening our bonds as a church community. Uh, my prayer this morning is that God will strengthen Renew Church in unity and in harmony, that we endeavor to grow in love for one another so that we can be that championship church that lives out its full potential. And so if you're taking notes, let's look first of all at examining the spiritual Sith mindset. Can we look at that? Examining, I know, I'm going to go all the way with this. I'm doubling down, okay? (laughs) To examine the spiritual Sith mindset. Let's look in verse 10. It says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say so that there will be no divisions among you, but that you will be perfect, un- perfectly united in mind and thought. Now, I want you to notice, first of all, that Paul calls a family meeting. Have you ever encountered a family meeting before? Where your father or your mother kind of calls the family together because things have kind of gone awry. There are some issues or problems. My dad is the most quiet, the gentlest man in all the world. But even occasionally, he will call a family meeting. And when he does, we all know, oh, this has got to be serious because he doesn't like to call these things. But when he calls it, (coughs) there's always an issue that needs to be addressed. The beautiful thing is that even though it's a serious issue, it's among our family. I'm not afraid that I'm going to be kicked out. I'm not afraid that something's going to... It's a family type of atmosphere. And so here's how Paul addresses them, as brothers and sisters. And he says, I appeal to you as brothers and sisters. The idea conveys uh, calling a sibling to your side for the purpose of helping them out of the trouble that they're in, right? It's a very loving, concerning type of posture. Now, let me tell you, in context, this church was messed up in some terrible sins, The whole letter of 1 Corinthians deals with one problem after another that was happening in the church. And so Paul is the apostolos. The apostle has every right to blast them. He has every right to nail them to the wall for the sins that they're committing. But yet, in calling this very serious meeting, he lovingly reminds them, hey, we're family, right? We're in this together. And I want you to notice what Paul says to them. He appeals to them that all of you agree with one mind in what you say. Well, you might say, well, one mind, what does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean that we're robots. It doesn't mean that um, we can't think for ourselves, that we have to be of one mind. That's not what it's saying here. It's not saying, hey, be a yes man or a yes woman uh, without any strong convictions. We know, and we've shared this from Scripture again and again, uh, God has called us all, and we have unique backgrounds, and we have unique uh, uh, experiences that we bring into the body of Christ. There's diversity there. 
And so we're not saying be robots. As a matter of fact, with that diversity comes, uh, you know, just incredible blessings to our church. So it's not talking about one mind being that way. It's the idea is to be agreeable in our attitude, to be flexible in our disposition, that as we come together, that we're agreeable, that we're able to listen to one another, and we're able to come and arrive to the same consensus. Be of one mind, that there be no divisions among you. The word actually is a schismata, and it has the idea of ripping a garment in half or tearing a muscle in two. As a church, we are one outfit in Christ. As a church, we are one body in Christ. Those are two examples that we see uh, in Scripture. And because of that, we have to have a strong love for unity so that when there is division, we need to stitch together a garment. We need to mend together a torn muscle. So don't allow there to be division among you, but be perfectly united in mind and thought. That's powerful right there. As a local church, we've said it again, and we'll say it a lot more as we continue our study in 1 Corinthians, that we are the body of Christ. That's a metaphor that Paul will use again and again and again. So a body with Jesus as the head thinks with one mind. We think as Jesus thinks. A body with Jesus as the head walks in one direction, the way that Jesus directs or wants us to go. So in principle, there's unity. In decisions, there's consensus. As a, body, uh, as a body is, there's unity, harmony, and agreement. And that's the mark of this championship church that we're talking about. So Paul talks to them about this. And I want you to notice what Paul tells them to correct. What is the problem that he's uh, saying that they need to be in agreement, that there be no divisions, that they be perfectly united in mind and thought? Well, let's look in verse 11. Can we look at it? It says, My brothers and sisters, some of you from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. And what I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. And still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? Here, Paul is really hitting what the problem is. And I want you to notice, in this passage, we see three components of that spiritual Sith mindset that we're talking about. The first component, if we can put the slide up, (coughs) the first component is selfishness. Verse 11, that there are quarrels among you, literally bickering. And you guys know what that means, right? How many of you have ever bickered before? It's being irritated over something trifle, a trifling annoyance. When you bicker, most of the time you're being petty. Have you ever bickered about something like music or some project that you were doing or something, some role that you have? It's not important, but yet for you it's important, right? And really, when other people see it, it's very petty. Where does this bickering come from? Well, it comes from what Paul was saying that you need to be. You need to be flexible. It comes from not being flexible. It comes from not being agreeable. You know where it comes from? It comes from an inward focus of wanting things your way. And isn't that what bickering is? You want everything to go your way, even if it's petty. That's selfishness. Number two, we see worldliness. 
Now, what's going on? Okay, so the Corinthian church were bickering about who was most important in the church. And they were using their spiritual leaders to form cliques so that they could rally behind them. And so some of them were saying, you know what, I follow Paul. I mean, Paul was the first pastor of the church of Corinth. He's the OG. He's the original founder of the church. I mean, he's a great theologian. We read his letters and we see how, how, how smart and how articulate he is. He's a philosopher. He studied under Gamaliel. I mean, he's a driven missionary. Look at all the things that he's done. Hey, man, my guy is Paul. Another would say, well, mm, I follow Apollos. I mean, he's pastor 2.0 of the Corinthian church. I mean, and he's so charismatic. Acts 18 says he was eloquent in speech, mighty in scripture, uh, uh, being uh, with great zeal. I mean, this guy was the motivational speaker or leader par excellence. So I follow Apollos. You know, I'm naturally drawn to him. Some others would say, well, you guys can like those guys. I follow Cephas. Who's Cephas? Well, that was Peter's Jewish name. Remember, Cephas was the leader of the original 12 disciples. I mean, he is the real OG, right? And see the bickering, right? Peter walked with Jesus in his earthly ministry. And so, of course, I follow the OG guy. I follow Peter. Well, you might say that's crazy. That would never happen today in churches. But it happens all the time, doesn't it? Doesn't it? As, as we see the church becomes more of a personality-driven uh, type of uh, community, uh, many of us, we can get connected. I mean, many of you like Wilson for all of his attributes and all the gifts that he has. Many of you like Kevin. But imagine fighting over who's better, who's greater. And that's kind of what they were doing. But do you know what the problem was? It was worldliness. Now, I want us to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3 because it connects with 1 Corinthians 1. I'm going to have it up here if we could put it up. And here Paul continues that same idea. 1 Corinthians 3, he says, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? And the idea is carnal humans, right, without the spirit. For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere humans? Are you not carnal? See, when you're a baby, you can only drink milk. We know this. Your body can't handle solid food. But when you're an adult... You're ready for mature food. You're ready to live a mature life. Maturity should be the hallmark of growing. Do you know what the problem was with the Corinthians? They were not growing. They were not maturing. And that, in essence, is what worldliness is. Worldliness is not growing to maturity. Now, it's beautiful when a baby comes into this world and a baby who's a baby, of course, we all celebrate it, we're excited. When they act like a baby, of course, that's their nature. But if I were to act like a baby, it would not be pretty, would it? It would be really uh, very unnatural. And that's what the scripture is saying. Here we see that the Corinthians were being worldly. They should have been deep, mature believers. Instead, they were shallow, superficial, and immature. And Paul states, everyone can tell by what you are saying. 
We can tell that you're immature and worldly by the things that you say. I don't know if you've ever done this before, but uh, as a kid, we used to do this all the time. I used to walk up to kids and say, my dad can beat up your dad. Have you ever done that before? Raise your hand. Okay. <laughs> Some of us very immature people. My dad can beat up your dad. <coughs> I would walk up to my friends. We'd be playing. And I'd say, you know what? My dad can beat up your dad. My, knows, my dad knows karate and can beat up your dad, right? And we would say those kind of things to each other. What were we saying? We were saying, I'm better than you because my dad is better than you. And that makes perfect sense as a kid. It really does. But what if I said that as an adult? What if I walked up to you and said, my dad knows karate and can beat up your dad, right? You would think, what an idiot, right? What does that have to do about anything? That doesn't make any sense. But that's what the Corinthians were doing spiritually. In their maturity, they were saying, well, Paul is better than Apollos. And Apollos is better than Cephas. My dad can beat up your dad. And the most immature thing that is said is, well, I follow Christ. My daddy is the best of them all, right? Can beat up every one of yours. He wa- they weren't saying this as a spiritual thing. They thought it was spiritual. But they w- what they were saying is, you know, Jesus is who I follow. And he's mine and he's not yours. That's why Paul is so upset when he shares this passage. Those components we see of selfishness worldliness, and then the third component is pride. You see, when you fix your eyes inwardly, when you fix your eyes on self, it will always lead to pride. And that's the story of Anakin Skywalker becoming Darth Vader. It's this step-by-step devolution into pride. Let's look in verse 14. It says, I thank God that I did not baptize any one of you except Crispus and Gaius, So that no one can say that you were baptized in my name. Yes, and I also baptized the household of Stephanus. But beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone else. Now, don't misunderstand. Paul is not criticizing baptism. As a matter of fact, baptism is a beautiful picture of our salvation. And we see the apostle talking about baptism later on, of course. It's very important. And just like Pastor Wilson said, it's an outward sign of the inward faith that you have in Christ. If you've never been baptized, please, uh, today, uh, meet with uh, Wilson, and uh, he'll go over things with you, and please get baptized, uh, uh, you know, at, at the end of this month. It'll be a beautiful thing, and so Paul is talking about how baptism, not that baptism is not important, and not that baptism is, uh, is not beautiful, but he explains why he says this. Look at it. He says, so that no one can say that you were baptized into my name. The Corinthian church was being so immature that not only did they divide and elevate by using their leaders, but they also wanted to brag about how special they were by who baptized them. They wanted to lift themselves up by their connection with the leader that they had. They would say, well, Aquila baptized you? (laughs) Paul baptized me, bro. That's what they were saying. And pride will stop at nothing to lift itself up. It will even stoop to using something as spiritual and as beautiful as baptism to fulfill its selfish goals. You see, the inward Sith mindset causes quarrels and division and dissension. But the outward Jedi mindset brings harmony, unity, and healing. And so lastly, what we want to look at is how to develop the spiritual Jedi mindset. Can we put that up? Uh, Let's look in verse 17 and 18. 
For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Amen. Notice Paul's focus is on the priority of the gospel. And it is so true, having an outward focus on the good news of Jesus and uh, the world is going to take our focus off of the petty, selfish desires that we have. You know, just hearing about Royal Family Kids Camp, just hearing about what God is doing, uh, just beckons all of us to go out, not to just, you know, focus on ourself, right? It doesn't help us in that way, but to look outwardly, helping others, helping people around us. And that is what Renew Church is called to. We're called to the gospel, and we're called to reach out to others. If we had that united energy on reaching others, glorifying Jesus, it would keep us healthy and on track. It'll keep us as a championship church. I really believe that. But there is one particular part of the gospel that here Paul wants Christians to focus on. And I want you to see it. He says, the message of the cross. The message of the cross is that component that helps us live in unity. It allows us to stay in harmony. The message of the, the cross is that component that breaks down division and dissension among the church. And for the Christian, for we at Renew Church, the message of the cross keeps us growing to spiritual maturity. Now, what exactly is that message of the cross? Well, you know, when Jesus was here on this earth, in Luke chapter 9, verses 23, can we put that up? Jesus declares that his will is for him to go to the cross, to die for the sins of the world. That's the gospel. But notice what he says to them in verse 23, to his disciples. And then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, must take up their cross daily and follow me. Did you get that? In ancient times, this would have been a very shocking, offensive statement because the cross meant imminent death, right? When Jesus was sharing this with his disciples, the cross hadn't happened yet. The beauty of what we know as the gospel and the cross of Jesus Christ and what he's done hasn't happened. Wearing a cross doesn't mean the beautiful things that we associate today with the cross. The cross then, when Jesus spoke it, was tantamount to public execution. It was something that people wanted to avoid physically and mentally in their lives. The cross was a synonym for public death. So when Jesus is sharing this with his disciples, he's saying, if you want to be my disciple, you must be willing to put to death the self. You must be willing to put to death your stubborn will, your selfish desires, your pride, and your ego. Put to death publicly your way and follow my way, follow Jesus' way. You see, so the message of the cross in that component is death to self. Now, that's why Paul says, for those who are perishing, it's flat-out foolishness. To the Sith, give up my will? Surrender my desires? Follow another way except my way? No way! I'm not going to do that. It doesn't make any sense. It's foolishness. But as Christians, for those who are becoming like Jesus, to the Jedi, death to self is God's power to achieve the goal of sanctification. 
As a matter of fact, Paul puts it this way in Galatians 2.20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The gospel is that I live by faith in the Son of God. But as I have made that decision when I became a Christian, I have crucified myself so that it's Christ's way and not my way. Can I get an amen? Do you desire unity and harmony and maturity here at Renew Church? Then die to yourself. Stop living the selfish, worldly, prideful life and live for Christ. Start living out his will for you and his way for you. The most beautiful way I can end this by way of illustration is there, there, there was a hymn that was written by Theodore Monard in the 19th century. He wrote this, and it's all about uh, going from Sith to Jedi, but he didn't know anything about Star Wars back then. But I want you to notice this hymn. This is what it says, and this is how I close. Oh, the bitter pain and sorrow that a time could ever be, when I proudly said to Jesus, all of self and none of thee. Yet he found me, I beheld him, bleeding on that accursed tree, and my wistful heart said faintly, some of self and some of thee. Day by day his tender mercies, healing, helping, full and free, brought me lower as I whispered, less of self and more of thee. Higher than the highest heaven, deeper than the deepest sea, Lord, thy love at last has conquered none of self and all of thee. And that's the journey of a Christian, isn't it? It's the journey from all of self and none of thee to none of self and all of thee. And Paul tells us in this passage, let's live, all of us in this community, in agreement, in accord, to be like Jesus and to live for his glory. Can I get an amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that these admonitions in 1 Corinthians, given at the first century, is just as real and as valuable to us here in the 21st century. And we pray that your word would not return to you void. It never does. But that it will accomplish what it sets out to do, to change our lives and to make us uh, more and more like you. We thank you and praise you for everything that you're doing. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said.